1: Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220
2: KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. It's one of those shows where if you want to talk strategy, it's a good time to do it. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, I want to talk with, I want to talk a little real estate. So joining me now, Tony Mendez, com. Look what I got in the mail. So one, two, three, four, five. Six pager. Six page push on my city that I live in and all the houses sold by this one realtor. Which is pretty impressive. I mean, just I, I don't know if it's over a ten-year period or twenty-year period, but um, take a look at that. That ain't cheap. No, it's not. It's not bring up his name, but for him to put that into everyone's mailbox, if he get that's just crazy marketing. And I I think that's the difference sometimes between success it, and failure. But
3: yeah, they they have one for for mortgage people too, um, oh, yeah. and and realtors. It's it's I can't remember the name of it, but. Um, you go online and you can research uh, the type of loan or the type of property that you want to buy, and then you can find the realtor that sold or a mortgage guy that sold that type of product in your area. And then you can also look at all of the other uh, uh, transactions that that realtor is act- or mortgage guy has actually done. It's pretty interesting. I kind of like the whole what's the history of this professional that you're working with. It kind of takes a little bit, but the, the whole m- mailing part of it, a little cheesy. I'd rather have him come and walk to my house and hand it to me. I don't know about that. I don't know if I want people walking to my house cuz
2: you know on a community community watch list kind of thing you're like hey someone's knocking on people's doors to break some people break it in kind of thing and the, there's one guy in my town who goes around on a um, what's that scooter called just, Vespa? No, the stand up one. No, the stand up one that is automated. So he drives around on him, a Segway. And uh goes door to door on a Segway and I'm like I won't do business with you because you do that. You look like a dork. Um, and I actually told that to him and his, his company and his, in his face. But this is a bit much. To me, that when you when you can afford to send out basically front and back color, five-pager, so that's ten pages
3: of printing. Well, for all you know, it could be this guy's only marketing for the year. It could be his whole budget. That's not, Again, but that's to me a – I want, I want my relationship with a realtor. I
2: want my relationship with a human being and not with his past successes. I don't know, there's eight people on there, on the back. So. Okay. Yeah, but just, there's one know. person on the front. So, and with that said, uh, promising low commissions, restrictions apply. Always royal service. I mean, that's kind of cheesy. I don't know. I just, that's just one person. Okay. So, And uh, then on the back, he looks like Gangnam
3: Sal. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's cool. That to me is is flashing money, and I'm like, I. People have a different idea of what what works and what doesn't. Rob, you you know that that. Many years ago, in in some of the marketing, techniques that some of these places use, you know, they have a formula on, how many flyers they need to put out in order to get one percent or two percent return, and that's probably what their a marketing firm has told them is that we can guarantee at least one percent return on that thousand that you put out. It is interesting because uh, I was at a lunch yesterday or the day before and this young
2: Asian man was sitting there waiting nervously and uh, an elderly woman came in pretty well appointed um, and she gave him questions to the real estate test and, you know she said, oh I just found these in my, in my garage or something like that and uh, he's like oh thank you so much third time's the charm so he's failed the real estate test twice and I, I kind of wanted to speak up and go I know a, a, a school that they do real estate testing and prep but I didn't really want to I just wanted to listen and you just, you hear these people start talking about, like, yeah, once you've been in the business, you're in the business 10, 20, 30 years, you start getting repeats, you start getting blah, blah, blah. Um, They're really not that smart of people. The intelligence barriers into real estate aren't very high. Um, And
3: this guy, I mean,
2: he's failed the real estate test twice, and he was not the brightest candle, if you know what I'm saying.
3: Yeah, it's, it's a roadblock for a lot of people. Um, but it... it it, especially in the real estate transaction side yep there's been you know, it, it's always been known that a lot of people that fail in other kind of sales industries kind of move into it or do it part-time um, and it kind of dilutes the quality of the the people that you can run across uh, and a lot of people get into the business they do one or two transactions maybe for themselves and they think that they can they're professional all of a sudden And those are the people you want to be aware of because they're not really ingrained into your community and your neighborhood and your schools and the society where where you want your realtor to have those qualities. Uh, And they're just looking for the transactions. Uh, You know, I was looking at um, an email the other day about – no, not email, but it was a chat room um, about some of the things that realtors do as far as gifts back to their clients. It's kind of crazy that they spend a lot – I mean, it was like a big forum. Okay. Hundreds and hundreds of people that were responding to this about what some of the things that they do—it's kind of crazy how. Give me some examples. Um, gift cards. Some guy writes back half of his commission. Um, you know, uh, pictures with you know, like it could be almost anything. Okay. Um, but trying to build that bonding—it's just—it's like the, there's a set way. It of, also tells you they're egregiously paid. It, it does. Um, it also says that they're they're looking for almost anything that they can do to to be remembered, and, and it just seems so. Technical to me, it's it's not that personal, just a gift.
2: With well, that said, that's Tony Mendez. You can find him at bayarealonesource.com. dot com. That's BayAreaLonesource dot com. I'm always fascinated by um, what you just said. There's a forum there; people are
3: sharing these ideas. Um, uh, it, was it, acc- it was actually on Zillow. Okay. If you go to Zillow, one of the stories I did last night on my show. Yes, I have a show. It was the uh, about Zillow and some of the valuations and, and how they have this new median of. of disparity that they have. Anyways, there's an advice section where you can go and ask questions to other professionals that are kind of like, I guess, members of Zillow. You can, anyone can be a member of Zillow. And all these professionals come back and they, and they um, give their advice. And I thought it was pretty, it's pretty interesting to, to see some of the, the comments that people make.
2: So this guy's um, marketing literature that he gave me, his summary, he writes uh, basically an eight-paragraph letter. But his summary into one paragraph goes, today's seller market is in danger of evaporating if interest rates rise, advanced economic issues rise, or we see a major geopolitical crisis occur. Um, That's kind of not a well thought out sentence, first and foremost. But also, he in real estate, just as in any market, timing is everything, and this market is still favorable to the seller, giving them top dollar for their homes, at least for now. This market presents a golden opportunity to sellers. However, these conditions will not last forever. Some areas in the Bay Area have already begun to see a shift in the market and sales are not as robust. This market shift has been observed in other high end markets as well. The time for selling is now. If you're thinking about selling, And think he signs his name. Now what's fantastic about this is what he's really saying is I need homes to sell. And you could say in every sentence here just put the, the phrase at the end, I need homes to sell. Today's seller market is in danger of evaporating if interest rates rise. I need homes to sell. This is just a direct call to like basically get people to sell their homes, and
1: I don't know There's a little
3: bit of scare tactic in there. That, a very big scare tactic, and I I, I don't think that's ever. I, first of all, I think he's incorrect. You know, if interest rates rise, it has nothing to do with the uh, with sales. Um, yeah, interest rates can rise. You should sell now. That means less people can afford. I, you know, you could look at it both ways, but I don't like the scare tactic part. I just don't like the Gangnam style. <laughs> it is kind of crazy. I mean, doesn't, yeah, that, it does. doesn't that flash just... I don't know what the cell phone in his hand is, but... I Call me? Yeah, call me. I don't know.
2: Anyway, I'm Rob Black. You can call the show, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Gangnam <laughs> <laughs> Style! Die. Oops. Black talking all things financial, money invested in more. Taking a look at the housing outlook for two thousand fifteen. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, Bay Area Loan There's an article in Forbes where eleven experts predict housing outlook for two thousand and fifteen. Number one on the list is prices will rise more slowly. Two, affordability will worsen. Three, the buying frenzy will fade. Four Mortgage interest rates will rise to five percent by the end of 2015. Number five on the list: Millennials overtake Generation X as home buyers. Number six: Rent increases will outpace home value growth. Very interesting, all to say the least. Uh, multi-family will reign going forward. Builders shift cheaper homes. Foreclosures will match pre-recession levels. Markets will be driven by fundamentals. And number eleven: The wild card: global geopolitics. Any of these that you want to hit on?
3: Well, you know what, it seems pretty standard, Um, you know, pre-recession numbers, pre-recession kind of mentality and what's going to happen except for the slow price growth. Um, I I, I think we're hitting a little bit of max here, and I think people are starting to realize that home prices can't go much higher that fast. Uh, I think they're looking at, what, a a 3% increase on a yearly basis. So, you know, what that does is takes a little bit of investors out of the uh, market. I think we're down about 15% nationwide as far as um, volume for investors. At one point, that was over 50%. So um, we just don't see a, you know that type of transaction anymore, and it's really kind of hurting. You know, We're wondering, though, when those investors are going to dump the properties back on the market. Uh, are they going to see a high? I think that's a question that a lot of people are looking at. Um, I was just reading an article from um, – there was an interview with the uh, CFO from Home Depot talking about how uh, 2014, 2015 are going to be a, a leading years – for remodeling for investors because 3.6 million homes were added to the investor pool, and uh, they're thinking that maybe these homes might come back on the market. So, you know, it, it, it's really kind of a question of where the inventory is going to come in, come right now. I'm not surprised at all about multifamily rents are up considerably. Why not build something that's going to give you a good rate of return on money? I think that's where all these. That's why we don't see a lot of home builders building single family residences right now. I find one of these number 11, the wild card
2: geopolitical uncertainty. Basically, the expert is saying weakness in China and Europe have led to higher than normal interest in the dollar. Uh, there's problems in Russia and Ukraine, so a lot of wealthy Russians are coming to America to buy homes. Iran has a nuclear diplomacy issue, and it's all pushing the dollar higher. So the Fed has already scaled back its buying of mortgage backed securities, but the mortgage rates have remained low, which is nice to see. In one context, but it's happening because foreigners are coming to the U.S. markets and, and securing properties, um, which takes sometimes that average American out of the, the, the equation. You know, maybe the home would be a little more affordable to the average American if you know there wasn't so much competition going into that home as far as how many buyers want to put offers on it.
3: Yeah, when you especially when you have the home builders focusing on multifamily units for apartments, and, and we're not talking condos, we're talking about apartments people who are going to rent, not buy, and they're not focusing on affordable housing. Uh, you know, you have places like the Bay Area where it's a little bit difficult to build um, you know, affordable housing, but the rest of the nation should be focusing on that, and we're not. We're seeing a very, very low amount of building and permits start and starts just at super low levels, at least 50% below what they should, at the average, um, and that's not healthy for the market. It just leads to a catastrophe, in my opinion. That's a pretty big word. Well, w- w- where else is the inventory going to come from, Rob? I mean, w- w- you have industries that are focusing purely on just building multifamily units for for rents, and these and these rents are going up. People are saving less money. One of those things on the list was millennials are going to take over f- uh, for Generation X as far as a as the larger uh, buying pool. And I kind of disagree with that. They're carrying a lot of debt and they're not saving as much money because they are renting at higher levels.
2: It comes down to w- people saying they want to. Millennials, roughly 42% of all millennials say they want to buy a home in the next one to five years. Um, the lack of buying activity from millennials as far as decidedly not because the generation isn't interested in home ownership, it's been because they've been delaying getting married, they've been delaying having children, they've been uh, you know, curtailed by high debt, but at some point in time the biological clock does kick in and the baby makers of America right now are the millennials um, as Generation X starting to get a little bit too old. Generation X is 35 years to 50 years, and typically, right around 40, they say, women, you know, the risks of pregnancy issues start to kick up. So the baby makers are going to be the millennials. They will be the people making babies, and when you have that baby, uh, mama wants a house. Mama wants, you know, uh, a school for her kid. And that kind of nagging gets really old really fast, and you buy a house. You move out of the condo. Stop going on vacations to afford that house. Your love starts to, to wane. You meet a woman at the gym. Are you speaking then of... There's, then there's two houses. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, back to this list. Um, how much time we got? Okay, yeah, we should wrap this up in a second. Rent increases will outpace home value growth. Um, in 2015, many 25- to 34-year-olds will form new households, but instead of buying, they'll rent. And again, you know, people want to rent near desirable locations, and makes the landlords have the power,
3: per se. Uh, 3.5% is the projection for the, the national increase in rent. Uh, some places like the Bay Area are expected to go about 6%, and other large metropolitan areas, which is no surprise. I mean, you have places like Oakland. Oakland was the second had the second fastest pace of rent increase by 12.1 percent in 2014, only behind Denver. Um, and it's because that's where millennials want to live. That's where renters want to live. It's convenient.
2: It's Tony Mendez. You can find him at BayAreaLoansource.com. It's BayAreaLoansource.com. Yeah, have you have you been to Denver? Nice, mm-hmm. very nice city. Um, there's a a lot of my single female friends. I say you should move to Denver. Because it's got a nickname as Menver, um, a lot of young men are moving there because there's jobs there. So I don't know if young is the right word to say, but um, young, younger. Denver's still very, very, very attractive real estate market in my opinion. It's still very affordable compared to the level of jobs out there. Um, so anyway, I would consider buying a place in Denver if I had some spare money laying around. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, you can find Tony at, you can email him, Tony at com. That's Tony at com. Talking a little real estate, talking a little investing. U.S. economy slows in the fourth quarter, but growth outlooks still very, very favorable. Um, the United States is the pretty much the leading market right now as far as uh, our economy's improved. And we're hitting a very, very nice stride. Um, The markets are closing out the month of February at an amazing level. We've had a great run. Will we always have this? No. Remember the good days when there's bad days. Remember the good months when there's bad months. Up 5% for the month is pretty much so grade A in my book. US pending home sales hit one and a half year high in January. Contracts to purchase previously owned homes rose their highest level in one and a half years in January. A hopeful sign for the sluggish housing recovery, maybe gaining some steam. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com I got a love me home. Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls on the air. Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com or rob at robblackshow.com. It all works. Again, anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, one of the things that I keep coming back to again and again is the experts in real estate and the experts in financials. Uh, There's no barrier to entry, none, to some careers that I think there should be barriers (laughs) to entry to. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. Talking about the barriers of entry into becoming a mortgage lender, into becoming a real estate agent, into becoming an insurance agent, in becoming uh, a registered investment advisor, There's almost none. Um, I didn't get my degree in business, um, and yet I went on to become a registered investment advisor. Uh, I was very good at it, but there was no barrier to entry. I just had to pass a test. Um, And the test, I think, has... I think all you had to do was get like a 75 on it. So it wasn't like pulling a high. You I had to get three out of four questions. right? And they were tricky questions. If you're not allowed to sell a bond to a bond salesman, and you can't not sell a bond, then when can you sell a bond to a bond? And you're like... (laughs) <laughs> what the like it's just a poorly written question not what's a bond who's bond appropriate for not what's a stock what's real estate what's the historical and returns. still to the
3: date even in our testing they don't really get into the whole you know what's the right loan for somebody and what's the right real estate tran- transaction for somebody and they, you know in reality they should you know a real estate transaction should be completely dictated by a CPA or a CFP yeah um, more often than not. I'm running into clients that just are – they're not making wrong decisions, but they're, they're making decisions without other advice you know, from their financial planner. I hear that. I hear that. And the reason I like the CFP designation is
2: it, it does have – come with what's called a fiduciary. And there's a lot of morality studying that a CFP has to go through and pass tests. And when they make a mistake, they're done. Their career's over kind of thing. Um, so I, I kind of wish real estate had that. I run into too many people that, and like I said, I was having lunch the other day, and you know two real estate agents were sitting next to me just talking about great you know, gosh, you're great, I'm great, you're great, no, you're great, we sell great real estate that's great, and it, they weren't the smartest people, and in fact, the young guy um he had failed the real estate test twice already, and it's not that hard of a test, and they give the questions. There's questions floating around, and they use the same questions every year. So everyone has a copy of the questions. So basically, you're not even learning it. You're just memorizing which the answer is to the question. Like how many square lots are in a square mile kind of thing like that. Uh, and no real estate agent ever knows about lots and square miles. And they, they're like, woo look at this beauty. $1.5 million. You're going to have to put an offer of $1.7 million on it. Sign right here. So I, I, I'm just bugged. There's not a lot of morality. Uh, the only thing that I hate more is the husband and wife real estate team. I hate that. Every time I see that, it feels like a mouse has crawled into my mouth
3: and vomited and then died. You know, as a mortgage guy, you kind of caught up, and uh, you have to be really careful about what I say. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, you I got to imagine.
3: You know, I work with a lot of realtors, and I work with some really good realtors. Um, you know, and they could easily have been doing something else just as good as they do uh, real estate. Um, same thing with a bunch of the mortgage people that I've run across. Um, uh, unfortunately, the business uh, does attract, you know, people from other industries, especially sales, could be cars, furniture, could be almost anything, because of the high commissions. Yeah. Um, you know, a real estate transaction on a $500,000 house can net a broker, you know, $30,000. Um, and then, you know, they're going to hire people, and they're going to go out and find a realtor to, to, to show the house, and they're going to give them 1% of that commission. They'll get the rest. And, then, and the more experienced they are, then they get more and more and more, and then they'll eventually bring in clients. And it, it, becoming a broker is really the, the ultimate goal for a realtor because they can hire other people. Um, same thing in a the mortgage industry. It's it's, it's building a business with other people. And, and, and the, good, the good version, the good... Mortgage guys get away from um, interacting with the clients more often than not, and hire people. Just basically hire as many people as I can, throw them against the wall, and see how many stick. And unfortunately, there's going to be clients that run into those people who don't stick. Um, and that's what the industry did in you know for between it attracted between 1990 and 2005 and seven, uh, maybe a couple of years afterward. But then it's everybody's kind of left the industry, and it's uh, you know in its defense. There's been quite a few um, – there's been an exodus of people out of the business and leaving quite a, a few good people left. Good. Um, and, and you can tell by the people who are surviving. Um, it's, a, it's a tough industry right now. There's not a lot of inventory. I I don't understand how a place like – I'll just throw it out – Alameda has 100 realtors, but they only sell 15 houses a month. Right. I, mean, I, I don't I don't get that. I mean, it's because the commissions are high and – Um, you know, you're going to have some loyalty from some old clients that you're going to want to stay in the business to do that. And it's for retired. I just wish that people would stop and,
2: like you said, you know, CFP should be consulting on real estate deals and not a guy with a high school degree who's trying to get a $30,000 commission and move on to the next one. I just, I wish there were some more, you know, uh, standards set in place. And again, I'm not bashing the whole industry. I'm just saying the industry has some pretty big flaws that ultimately come back to hurt people. You used to work with a guy in mortgages that I found despicable. Um, he was all about let's get the deal done right now. Let's put something in front of them. Let's sign it, have them sign it right now. i got to do another one. Gotta, i got to do three today. And not three a month, it, three a day.
3: What's unfortunate about that is banks are that same way. They're still transaction driven. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, it's, people keep running into them.
2: It's Tony Mendez. You can find him at Tony at Bay Area com. That's Tony at Bay Area com. Yeah, I'm always surprised by people who go into banks and. Look for investment advice, and I'm like, you realize this kid just got out of high school. And that's his first suit. Um, good investment advisors aren't at a bank waiting for someone to walk in the door, is what it comes down to. They've started their own practice. They people don't walk into a bank and should expect to get again even like loans. I mean, I remember being 18 years old and stupid, you know, walk into a bank and think that they're you know some sort of financial institution with great knowledge and insight. Uh, some banks do have good access to good mutual funds. Um, but I think it's still even better out there is Vanguard of Fidelity. But I'd rather you walk into a Vanguard of Fidelity
3: store than to walk into a bank for investment advice. Yeah. So I'm still surprised that over fifty percent of the loans that originated are through large banks. And just um, even the rates are the rates are higher, the service is poor, um, they're gonna hammer you and hammer you and hammer you uh, to continue getting transactions and and, and they're not gonna Give you the right advice. I mean, I had some. I had a guy yesterday, in fact, contact me, and he went to. He, he works for this bank, and they gave him a quote on an ARM. Why? Because that's the highest he can qualify for. But and he's a first-time home buyer. Why would you give first-time homebuyer an ARM? Um, I, you know, that's the kind of service that you're going to get. It's it's not even service. It's it's disservice. Um, you, you know, once you explain that, um, you know, you don't really need to go that high. You don't want to risk. Having an arm ten years down the road uh, doesn't make sense for somebody who's a first-time homebuyer. anyways, but that's what you that's what you get and you know and people just don't have the edu- not the education but the access to the knowledge that can help you um, you know figure this out. Changing topics Zillow you recently did some work
2: on your show. Zillow flaws with valuation eight percent error median. Uh, median
3: error, yes, it's, that's a pretty high number. It is, and it's what it is is eight percent either way of the selling of the, the what they call the Zestment. So if your house is if Zillow says your house is five hundred thousand, they're saying that that actual price that it could sell for or appraise for could be eight percent either way. So forty grand, so five forty or four sixty. But they're saying that fifty percent, because that's the median. Only fifty percent of the houses are going to end up within eight percent median range. The rest are going to fall out outside of that. It. So it's a pretty big. Um, study that they did on themselves to realize that, yeah, we're not perfect. Um, I still think Zillow is a great place just to kind of say, you know what, here's the trend of my house, here's the trend of my neighborhood, but there's way better stuff on Zillow that you can do research on for rents and uh, upcoming neighborhoods and other statistics. There's a great advice column in there that you can get professionals um, uh, to answer and some some hilarious realtor responses. I think if you want to see how realtors react to each other. Um, go write a, a comment and say, how do I sell my house? And mm-hmm. you're going to get 1,000 people, realtors, contact
2: you. Homes are typically um, sold by square footage, mm-hmm. uh, per square mm-hmm. foot, so, sort of. Just, let's start there. Zillow once thought my house was 11,000 square feet. <laughs> my house is not 11,000 square feet. It had my home price like over $3 million kind of thing, and it's not over $3 million. Um, I was pretty excited, <laughs> but it, the the lot was 11,000 square feet. The house wasn't, and uh, it was just a you know an error, uh, which it since has been fixed. So they're doing something to update. Well, the information. you
3: know, Zillow did something great when they first started, and that is they put a home valuation ra- algorithm together and and they advertised it and they say hey that you can find out how much your house is worth. And you know to, they've they've refined that and they've you know started doing a quick, you know, the, the calculations quicker instead of every quarter. They do it every month. Um, so it, it, it really worked in getting you know, money and in advertising into the, the company to build a really good research website. But I wouldn't go there for value. Other than for poops and giggles. so. And it, it does kind of
2: play in your head a little bit. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. You find Tony email him Tony at Bay I'm Rob Black, talking to all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. One of the things I was doing just for fun with Zillow during the commercial break. Well, joining me now, Tony Mendez. You can find him at Tony at com. One of the things we were doing there at the commercial break was looking at property values around my home and when things sold. And it's kind of weird that you could do that, but... um see the price history of how many times the house has been bought and sold. But I think the thing that that got me was taking a look at
3: property taxes because
2: it shows my property tax versus someone else's. Yeah. Uh, And there's one that's even lower.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I I would recommend if you don't want to get mad at your neighbor that's been there for a long time, don't go look at how much they pay in their taxes. Probably fair. (laughs) If you just bought your house, don't look at your neighbor's taxes. One neighbor I'm paying 24 times as much.
2: That's vulgar. Yep. For the same police, the same roads. Same water school system, like
3: everything,
2: yeah, so now I know why he gives money to the school system every year, and he's like seventy five plus
1: uh,
2: I think prop thirteen is one of the the worst ideas, it uh, gives you a stable number to work off of <laughs> <laughs> uh, really bad for businesses, less bad for old people, but uh it also encourages old people's hanging around eight hundred five one six. Twelve twenty to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. What is an FHA loan?
3: Um, it's a government guaranteed loan, Federal Housing Administration. Um, Should the government be giving home loans in your opinion? Because I know there's a they don't give it. They they um, guarantee it. Okay. Um, and you know one of the reasons why it can be, it, it's basically a uh, low income, low credit score type of first-time homebuyer program, which there really isn't a first-time homebuyer program. But uh, anybody can use it as long as they're buying their primary residence. Um, and, and they have good rates. And it, you can and low down payment programs, of, as little as 3.5%. So I think they're going to make a comeback. Okay. A lot of people give them a bad rap because they have that mortgage insurance tied to every single transaction. And they've also increased how long you pay that mortgage insurance, no matter what your value is compared to your, your loan amount. So, but they've re- recently reduced that, but they still have high loan limits. In, in the Bay Area, for example, you know, the median home price is right now 572 You can get an FHA loan up to $625,000 with 3.5% down. So a lot of people are thinking, hmm, maybe the home prices are slowing down. I don't want to put too much capital into this property, yet I can afford the payment with the higher loan amount. Uh, why don't I use an FHA loan? Well, you get tied to that mortgage insurance. You've got to be careful about that because you do have to qualify for that. But you can buy a 640 thousand thousand dollar house with 3.5% down, which certainly meets most of the Bay Area uh, home prices. So I think it's going to come back, but I'd be really careful about how long you want to keep an FHA loan because that mortgage insurance, just like any mortgage insurance, doesn't go into your equity. It doesn't go to pay your balance down. It pays an insurer that, not even the it, It's protecting the lender and their equity stake in that loan and in, in your property, and it's not helping you at all. So FHA has that wrap to it, but I think it's going to make a comeback because if you were to take a 3.5% down loan compared to a conventional loan because the rates are lower for FHA, and they give that to you, that credit and the lower rate to help pay for closing costs, um, it's almost an equal type of transaction uh, on a monthly basis. So FHA is kind of going to make a comeback. Um, across the nation, I believe. It's down to about 15% right now usage. I think it should go much higher. Who's good for a loan right now, for FHA loan? Who's the perfect candidate? Um, Somebody who, uh, I ran into a client the other day. Uh, He's getting gift money, but his down payment, for his price range, he has to put more money, of his own money, into the transaction to use a conventional loan. FHA will allow any gift, uh, even 100% gift. So FHA would be the perfect transaction for him. Um, Somebody else who would need an FHA loan is if they had um, a foreclosure or a short sale because they have shorter waiting periods and you can buy a home quicker. Uh, Also, people with lower credit scores, they they are not as credit score driven, meaning if you have a 640 credit score or a 740 score, you're almost getting the same rate with FHA. With a conventional loan, you're you're sacrificing about a 1% difference between those credit scores. So FHA is appealing to the people to get low rates with lower credit scores.
2: Sounds good. You can find Tony Mendez at bay dot or d- drop him an email directly. Tony at bay dot It's Tony at bay dot Some of the numbers that came out today: contracts to purchase previously owned homes rose their highest level in one and a half years in the month of January. A hopeful sign, of the sluggish housing recovery may be gaining some speed. The National Association of Realtors said its pending home sales index rose one point seven percent. Uh, a month, a gain that more than reversed a December slide. So uh, a lot of people, it's interesting when markets are at highs, whether it be the stock markets and or real estate markets, a lot of people say, oh, this is the end. This is the time that we should get nervous. Real estate's a great long-term asset class to be involved with. Stocks are a better great long-term asset class to be involved with. There's cheaper costs. You can buy a stock for $100, bucks. you are done. Who tried to buy a house for $100? Not going to happen. So just don't fall in love with assets. Um, When markets are at highs, that's when, like, the gold bugs come out, and, like,
1: everything's going to blow up.
2: Boom, doom, and gloom. You can't be that person. Not in a capitalist society. Capitalism has a way of making things work out. With that said, uh, Australia came out with a report earlier today that talked about affordability of homes, and they've hit a ceiling of affordability. There's too many people chasing too too much, throwing too easy of money and taking on too much debt. That debt, it's a real, very tangible thing, but a lot of people are like, I don't see it. It's paper money. It's not. I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at robblack.com. Email Tony at Com.